All right, welcome back to another podcast of from Faith Baptist Church in Visalia. Take two. What's that? Take two. Take two. That's, this, is, this is take two. That's right. Dan Castaneda. And my name is Eric Norvick. And we did try to podcast on this particular topic before. And it was an excellent Excellent podcast, if I do say so myself. It was. It was really good. It was really good. I was encouraged. And then uh, we got through it all, and I went to upload it and realized that I had the mic on mute the whole time. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, lesson learned. Uh, yellow is bad. Red is bad. Red is bad. Green, green is good. Green is good. Yeah, we're so ready to go. It's everything, all green. everything is green right now, <laughs> except for the things I don't want green. Yes. So, uh, I- anyway, as I was saying, this is uh, uh, our, what we're calling Faith Cast, and uh, Dan thinks that's funny since his last name is Castaneda. Castaneda. So, yes, I think he thinks it's named after himself. Well, why not? <laughs> why not? According to Kant, it could be. <laughs> that's right. Uh, and that's a good segue into what we're talking about, uh, which is the history of psychology. Uh, what, is the, what, what is psychology? What is the history of it? We just want to take a brief tour uh, to get from where it... I mean, its origins is as old as the, the, you know, the, the creation of man, but in terms of philosophy... In into uh, the modern, uh, our modern day, and uh, how we got here. So that's so. So why is this important? Why why is this important? Yes. Why is it important to know? Well, I, I don't know. I'm sure that sounds like a loaded question, but it is important because we need to know how to think right. That's right. right? And we need to know what the Bible says about the way the man is made up. Uh, you know, versus what man says. Uh, and I would say too that our entire world. Uh, our culture is being driven by psychology, which <clears throat> I would describe as a man-centered view of man and of mm-hmm. and of God. But m- primarily, it's it's a it's a view of man, and uh, and it drives so much, and it's so infiltrated the church, uh, it, it, and it's destructive in in many ways. Uh, and so, it's important to know why and how. Did, it, did I do well? Yes, what's that's, my, that's great. What's my, what's my grade? No, no, that's great. You got an A+. Plus. <laughs> an A+. Plus. All right. Yeah, you Good. nailed that. Good. Because that's, exactly, you know, that's exactly why, is because it's, such, it's accepted as science, yeah. and it's accepted as factual, and yet it's all theory. Yeah. And, and all the way back to you know, its beginnings, which would be Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, you have man trying to figure out how man functions from within. But it's just man. Those guys didn't have the Bible guiding them, although there, there are some good things about some of the things they believed in terms of divine, you know, however they would define divine origins. But it's still a very secular mindset about man. And we, that's what we tend to put our faith in. Even Christian psychologists put their faith in this, in these theories. Yeah, uh, I was thinking of uh, the, the, the verses in First Corinthians chapter 2, uh, which says, uh, verse 14, The natural man does not receive the things mm-hmm. of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Yes. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And what we're talking about is a system that is primarily built on the natural man. Yes. And, uh, and that reminds me, too, of Acts 17. Acts 17, verse 22 
and he, he calls them men of Athens. I perceived in all things you are very religious. And then he just talks about the unknown God. Uh, but then he lays out who this God is that they don't even know. And yet they're so religious. And so even their knowledge of God is a natural knowledge. Uh, and, and then it, it says, uh, you know, he, he describes who, who God is. But then in verse 27, Acts 17, so uh, God has revealed himself through natural knowledge. So he can't, there is, there is a certain revelation of God in nature. But it is so that they should seek the Lord and hope that mm. they might grope for him and find him, though that he is not far uh, from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have mm. our being. And then he refers to a poet. And so that's kind of what we're talking about here, this yeah. category of knowledge where man has this innate sense that there is a God. Mm-hmm. And so, and God has done that, right? Romans 1, right. for a purpose. Uh, but, but the best that man can do is grope about. Yes. Uh, there needs to be something very specific about, you know, who God is and which God has revealed through his word. So. And you see that, you, you <clears throat> see that early on there seems to be more of a, a, it's like with Socrates and Plato and Aristotle, there's more of a recognition that there's some divine force at work here. Right. So, oh, yeah. So, so you see that. Yeah. But then as we go on through history and, and we, we go through the Enlightenment and modernism and postmodernism, we've come to the place now where society goes, there isn't even a God. It's just, yeah. you know, and a lot of that came out of psychology itself. Right. Which is fascinating. Um, Colossians 2.8 um, says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. And that is such an important thing when it comes to psychology yeah. and, and thinking through psychology and what it's saying about man. It's yeah. human tradition. That's, uh, yeah, it's saying that, that man at best gropes about. Yes. And, and that all of man's natural discernment is earthy, mm. right? It's, it's, it's of the, the, the world. It's fleshly. It's, yes. uh, it, there's no spirit in that at all. Even if it sounds spiritual, the, the best they can do is, uh, is discern what their natural mind or what they, what they, you know, their natural senses are. Uh, and, and that's, you know, that, that brings us to, you know, the, what we would say, kind of the origins. Although, again, I do think the origins of this goes all the way back to the garden. Uh, yes. but, but, you know, <laughs> let's just fast forward from Satan's uh, temptation of Eve to... Socrates, mm-hmm. and, and I think you're right that there was a sense of uh, that there is some divine mm-hmm. um, in in uh, in Socrates and, and in Plato, who was a student of Socrates. What what would you say um, that Socrates? How is he the uh, a good starting place for for this? I, I, for Socrates, one of the things that he did is he believed that that man could reason himself out of all his soul problems. Um, and so that's, you know, you think about a lot of psychology today, um, that's what they're trying to do is get you to reason through these soul issues. And for Socrates, if you want to call him, <laughs> he was a physician. He believed, um, well, he believed that, that man, there was an immaterial and a material aspect of man and they interact with each other, which is actually, which is actually pretty you're right on. It's right on. Yeah, it's yeah. right on. Again, he just doesn't have a biblical God-centered view of man. You know, he's coming from a pagan culture with with a lot of deities. 
And, but he's kind of the first person to really deal with the question of the unconscious man in terms of, of human philosophy and just what's going on inside of a person and that they can, people can reason themselves out of their problems. Yeah. Uh, it is interesting because he's, he's logically deducing the, the makeup of man, man, you know, the, this immaterial and, and the material. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's, it, that, that, that in itself has been undermined in our day, mm. uh, which is the foundation for psychology. But now yes. I'm jumping ahead. So we got, we got Socrates. He, he deals with the unconsciousness. And then his student, Plato, he kind of develops this, this uh, dualism between the immaterial and the material. Yes. Uh, and, and one of the things that Pla- you know, Plato, you could call him the earliest psychotherapist. And he, his view was that talk and words were the primary means of curing the soul. So, so now you have, you know, someone saying that we need to talk through these things and I, I need to have the right words to help you or you need to, have, you need to be saying the right things. Uh, so talking words were our, our primary ways that we cure the soul. Hmm. And Aristotle developed that further. Um, Aristotle continued with that, that kind of thinking and um, he, he developed rational psychology. Again, with the idea that you talk your way out of these issues. That's, that's interesting. Uh, because that's, you know, that's kind of foundational to psychology, right? Talk therapy. Yes. And even for Aristotle, he's pushing more of an idea of self-knowledge. You, know, you need to know yourself. You, you need to have a better knowledge of your own self and who you are. Um, he, he believed uh, specifically that um, intellect had a superhuman divine origin, right? That, that's what we're talking about right, there. That's right. one of the things that he really pushed is there's a, there's a superhuman divine origin. Now, he couldn't necessarily put his finger on what that was. Right. That's Acts 17, right? Right. And 1 Corinthians. <laughs> So he realized that there's something eternal, divine about man, and you use your mind to bring life under control because of that. Right. Uh, there, there is, you know, that, that, that aspect of these guys is somewhat refreshing because you go back to Socrates and Plato and Aristotle, and what you have are guys who are making an attempt toward intellectual honesty. Yes. Like they're actually trying to use reason in uh, and, 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 and come to the conclusions based on, on, on logic uh, in, in all of this. And so they're, you know, they're, they do offer uh, a lot of help in, in, in terms of you know, some of their philosophies, uh, which, which are useful, but, uh, but they also end up setting this foundation mm-hmm. uh, for many errant philosophies. You know, Plato, with his uh, hyper-focus on dualism, uh, although I think there's debate, uh, and I'm no I'm no s- student of Plato to be able to to know for sure, but whether he actually, <clears throat> pr- you know, prioritized spirit over flesh. But that's what he's, you know, people say uh, that the flesh is evil and spirit is good. Yes. And and and, uh, and and that's that's what we call Platonic dualism, right? Mm-hmm. This, <clears throat> this this strict dichotomy, um, and then uh, and that spawns all kinds of errors that creep into the church, Gnosticism, uh, and, then, and then higher spiritual realities, 
that, you know, certain Gnostics, certain teachers claim to know, and they would, you know, they build their whole platform off of this platonic kind of thing. But uh, this Gnosticism, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, this, this foundation for, um, for people who claim to know secret knowledge or have information mm-hmm. uh, because they know spiritual realities. I think that in itself is, is foundational for our psychology, too, because... You know, in our modern day, it you know it's constantly changing all the time. And who who is the one who determines? It's it's like yeah, some guys with with the secrets. You know? Yes, uh, and so you see some Platonic roots mm-hmm. in, in that. Yeah, uh, one you know one more thing here too that I was just thinking about that I have here in my notes is that Plato. You know, Freud was a big Socrates guy, and Plato quoted Socrates as saying, "The cure of the soul has to be affected by the use of certain charms." And those charms are fair words. Yeah. So, so that whole idea that you talk your way through problems, you reason yeah. your way through them, right? Kind of reminds me of the couch, <laughs> the couch, the couch therapist. Oh yeah, 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 right. You know? right, right. Yeah, but it's, but even then, you know, it's talk therapy, but it's become less about trying to reason through things, yes, and more just talk. Right. Yes. Just just tell me how you feel. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much all it is. I mean, you, you pay a guy to go and lay. I don't know if they do the couch thing anymore, but <laughs> they used to yeah. be, you yeah. know. Uh, but but basically all you're doing is you're just telling him your troubles and telling him how you feel. And then he says, uh, well, that's great. Uh, you know, uh, I'll see you next week. <laughs> and then we yeah. go on yeah. and on and on. Yes. Uh, he reflects it back to you. Right. You know, or. Right. Or tries to help you think of a solution, yeah. or, or, or something. You know, so at, le- at least Plato tried to use, you know, some some reasoning. Yes. But, yes. Uh, so who who do we have next on this uh, on, our, on our march? So we got Socrates, we got Plato, we got Aristotle, and then uh, what do we? Descartes. Des- yeah, Descartes. I almost said it again. <laughs> Des- Descartes. Descartes. <laughs> Don't know my French very well. It's Descartes. Yes. Descartes. Yeah. And that's uh, was that. Fifteen, fifteen ninety six to sixteen. Okay, so we've so. we've jumped we've jumped way uh, way yes. ahead. Uh, yeah, and there's plenty of stops along the way, but uh, for our purposes, Descartes. Right. So yeah. thinking through, what's the the famous? I think therefore I am. I think therefore I, think I, therefore I, am. I am. Yes. 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 Yeah. So I determine I determine what truth is for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and again, that was that was for Descartes. It was a uh, a thought uh, experiment. It was ra- it was reasoning. Uh, he wanted to prove hit that existence wasn't some kind of uh, you know some kind of false reality that's been thrust on him, and so he he pretended there was you know potential for a green monster, a green demon, or something like that. Uh, that that is controlling all his thoughts and making him think that reality is a certain way. And so he he began to do this thought experiment: How can I prove that there's no such thing as this green demon? Uh, and he got down to, well, I think, therefore I am. Mm. Uh, the very fact that I think that I exist uh, means that I must exist uh, mm. because I couldn't be tricked into that very basic argument. And that becomes his, you know, his fundamental principle for, uh, for, for reality, the base principle. Instead of God... Right, it's yes. reason. Yes, he's reasoned himself yes. into an existence. Right, uh, and, and and thus disproved the the green monster mm-hmm. or the green demon. Right, uh, he's not looking at the scripture. No, he's looking at what's inside himself and saying, right. "Well, I can, I can reason this 
just yeah. from my own logical thinking. Yeah. I, I don't need the scriptures to inform yeah. me about who I am. Yeah. I, I can do that from, from myself. Yeah. And so that's a huge, huge problem, you know, in terms of you carry that out. Uh, he's reasoning out. He's not looking to the, to the scriptures. Uh, and, and so, he, and, the, and why, why is he so important? I mean, we're talking 17th century. Uh, you know, what, what makes him such a big deal? I think just because of the fact that that I I have in my notes that he's called the apostle the the apostle of modern doubt yeah you know and and I think his whole line of reasoning became super important if you think about it it's it's I determine right what's reality for me right so you ha- you start with doubt yes. You, you start with, uh, you know, I can't know anything for sure, and so I've got to reason myself into some solid, uh, in, indisputable, uh, you know, reality through, through logic and through, through reason. And so uh, that's foundation for later skepticism, right? Yes. Like, like yes. That, and that's, that's a big deal. But, um, and also it's the foundation for, uh, you know, the scientific method. Yes, it is. In uh, uh, the Enlightenment. Um, which which begins to turn toward uh, pure reason or rationalism, mm-hmm. right? Yes, uh, and so he becomes. I don't. Do they call him the father of rationalism? I don't remember. Um, yeah, he, I think so. But he, but, I mean, he is. but he is. He's, he is. He's so, the father so of rationalism because yeah. he is. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and again, you know, like the other thing too is one of the other things he did he looked at emotions and said it could be something I can't control because it's based on my. Body. Right. So he, what he's doing is he is saying that you know everything uh, is physiological yes. and, and, and biological, and so you start moving toward a materialistic worldview by that, where, where you know it's pure material. Uh, yes, material. you're moving that way. Moving, moving that direction. Materialist. Yeah. 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 It's funny because you look at you know, I'm thinking of like Darwin later on, and this is what kind of you're seeing there is that is that you're looking at. Um, a materialistic foundation for man. And it really, Descartes really kind of lays the foundation for that. Yeah. And, and some of the things that he did, um, some of the things he believed, uh, man has no spirit or soul. Right. You know, so this, right. his problem is what? Biological. Right. Right. So, right. So, you know, we're, we're, f- we're further removed from, you know, Plato and Aristotle who both, uh, ascribed to an immaterial and material, yes. uh, which they had reasoned to that reality, and rightfully so. Uh, the very fact that you can reason means there's an immaterial because you can't grab and feel and touch thoughts. Hmm. Uh, and, and, uh, and, of course, we know there's material. So it's a logical deduction, but you have Descartes moving us away from that. Uh, and, then, and then we move to uh, what, what Spinoza? Spin- who's Spinoza? Spinoza, um, he gives us a philosophical uh, rational for the identity of body and, and mind. So he claimed that the body and mind were inseparable. So he's a monist. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So somehow the mind is, is a material. Uh, thoughts are material. They're biological. Um, so you got monism instead of a, a dichotomy or, uh, or a trichotomy. Yes. Uh, he also, yeah. I mean... He, in his belief, he believed that man had a sinless mind and that he could achieve perfection. And he can reason through, again, we get back to he can reason through his problems. Yeah. Um, and man's goal is to, is to have self-discovered truth. Yeah. And so that's where, you know, Spinoza takes us. So we're now, now we're moving 
toward, uh, you know, from Descartes into Spinoza, and, uh, and we see reason and materialism being cemented uh, or being furthered along as, as, yes. as man's makeup. Uh, and, and so we're moving away from the immaterial, and, and we become, uh, you know, this material in man, in humanism. So uh, th- this interesting, you know, this humanistic movement uh, during the, the 17th century was a movement um, that, that ends up spawning the Enlightenment, uh, and, the, and the entire movement itself was to move out of, you know, this, this hyper-spiritual, uh, monastic kind of reality that the church mm-hmm. had built up. You know, the greatest goal of, uh, of a man, you know, during, starting from Antony, who went out into the desert, you know, uh, and lived his life out in, in, in abject poverty. I mean, it, the whole goal of man is to deny himself. And so it would be focusing on pure spiritual. Uh, and, and then there's this reaction against that uh, toward the material. And we call that humanism or humanistic uh, movement. Yes. Uh, and, and so, like, it's a good thing because, it in, because you know, you, you go to the Reformation, you got Martin Luther or Erasmus who, who translated the New Testament um, or who, who uh, created, put together a Greek New Testament. Uh, and then Martin Luther, they were humanists. Hmm. And that they were pulling out of the monasteries, but then you have, and, and the other the other thing that marked it was their desire to go back to the sources, uh, and so you have this movement in Christianity toward um, toward the uh, the scriptures, mm-hmm. uh, but in secular world we're finding that same movement that ends up spawning a Reformation uh, is also spawning a uh, in a, in a pure secular world a, the pure materialism. Uh, pure humanism, um, you know, um, pure reason, rationalism, these kind of things. Yes. And you're moving farther and farther away from God. Right. And, and the need for God. Right. In, in all reality. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's where Kant takes us. You know, he, he moves people away really from the need for God because in, in Kant's mind, you couldn't prove God's existence. Therefore, God may or may not be real. Right. And, and if you can't, if you can't prove him, you don't necessarily need him. Right. So he was agnostic, would you say? Like, did he deny the existence of God all altogether, or did he say, "Well, you uh, know, I don't really know." Yeah, that's pretty much where he was at. He would say, "I really don't know." Yeah. You really can't prove him. Um, he <laughs> he was kind of funny because he's like, "Well, it benefits man to believe in God because yeah. if if man believes in God." Um, then that'll at least help him live a moral life if he believes that there's a God who's going to punish him for his bad behavior and reward him for his good behavior. Yeah. That's a good thing because it'll help keep man moral. And, and that for him was the, the highest achievement was to live a moral life. Yeah. But it's not based necessarily on God. It's based on doing your duty. It's, it's based on doing what you think is right. Right. You know, based on, you know, you're, you're asking the question, if everyone else did this, what would that look like? Right. You know, and so, <laughs> so anyway, it, it really created, a, you know, as far as thinking that, that now man is the determiner of what is really moral. Right. And uh, that, of course, is loaded with, with problems because uh, how can man determine right or wrong uh, because now, now you know if what, what if what if you know I determine something different or Hitler is everyone yeah. pulls out Hitler like Hitler decides it's good to murder a bunch of Jews, uh, 
And, and so we got, we got a serious problem if there's no foundation for right or wrong. It's interesting because that, again, it reminds me of the, the, the temptation in the garden where Satan told Eve, you can be like God, hmm. knowing good and evil. And I think yes. what he's saying there is that you, you get to determine it. That's right. You, you, it's the ultimate humanism, right? It is. It's determinism from the human standpoint. Mm-hmm. You get to decide what is good and evil, and in in in, in all to to be the determiner of good and evil is to be God. That's right, right. And that's yes. what he's saying. You can be like God, which is what he's projecting. Satan wants to be like God. That's right. And so what we find out is these find these guys moving in that in that same direction. They're given into that lie, but they're also giving into this temptation to be like God. Uh, so that's, that's just very fascinating how many times we end up going back. It's like the same old lie. Just repeated over repeated and over. Repeated over yes. and over. And what we'll find as we're walking through this is that psychology is really that lie using fancy terms. Yes. Right? It's yeah. just that lie that you are the determiner. You that's are right. your own God. That's right. Uh, although they wouldn't say you're God, but that's just, that's the essence. That's of an essence of what it is, yeah, because yeah. you're the one that that gets to determine what's good yeah. for you. I mean, that's the term that you what self actualization. We'll look yes. at that in a, in a bit. Uh, who's next on our stop? Um, next on our stop is Freud. Okay, we're moving to Freud now. Uh, so we're we're full full past the Enlightenment and, and rationalism. I think one of the unique things about Freud is that he was a um, he was a real disciple of Darwin. Okay. And, and he totally bought into, um, you know, the evolutionary theory of man. And that, you know, man is basically a, a product in a sense of his, his own evolution. And he, he <laughs> Freud, you know, he developed, when he first started, he developed the id, ego, and superego, right? Yeah. And, and that was, the, the id was the base desires of man, um, sexual, sensual, fleshly. It's, it's what's unconscious inside of man is what he would call it. And it's completely unconscious. And then you had your superego, which was like your moral, your, your moral values that, that were inside of you. And then you had the ego. And, and the ego is partly conscious, partly unconscious. So in his theory, the, the job of the white coat guy was to strengthen your ego so that your ego could battle the super ego <laughs> and free the id to be able to release in, in a sense release itself and and so the person could act on their base desires yeah that, that's fascinating because there's, there's a couple of things that are really messed up one uh it's founded on primarily sexual desire it is like he was extremely uh, sexualized in his approach. Yes, he was, uh, and, and had a weird, weird things like everyone wants to kill his. Uh, what does it kill his mother? Kill his father and marry his mother or something yes. like that. That, yeah. that was just a theory. Every man wants to do this. Yeah, uh, this is base urge. Yes. Well, where does, <laughs> what is he saying about himself? You know, that that's such a strange thing to come up with. Uh, yeah, it is, and you know the whole sexual thing. He never really. He kind of ended up having to give up on some of that. Yeah, because it wasn't accepted, and not no. not in that day. No, no, uh, it wasn't accepted. No. And he kind of he kind of ended up, in a sense, kind of rewriting it and, and sugarcoating it a little bit with yeah. evolution. Yeah, you know, you're you're evolving through life, and there's all these, 
these different stages that you're evolving through. And sometimes you get stuck in these stages. So then the white coat became the guy who's helping you get off of those stages you're stuck in. And even in that, there was like, you know, all these anal, oral, all these pleasure principles that he even wound inside of that. Again, going back to sexual desire and and seeing the sexual, really man is a, is a instinctual creature, but he's sexual primarily. And that's his, yes. that's his base makeup. Yes. And, uh, and that's foundational to Freud. Yes. Uh, and the other thing that makes me think of is the, the, you know, that classic angel on one shoulder, demon on the other. That means Freudism <laughs> yes, right there. that is. Yeah, totally. Uh, uh, and I, I don't know how many Christians I've heard. Uh, I just had a lady tell me that uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago uh, yeah, that, you know, she she has a demon on one shoulder and then an angel on another. And, yes. Yeah. In uh, every single system that's come after it is, uh, even though they they would reject, and they, and they would say, well, Freud had some weird stuff, uh, but they're but, still following yes. his model, and uh, and and they're building on him is what they're doing. Yes. Yeah. They really are. I mean, you know, um, one of the things I took was you know one of my classes that talked about Freud, and in one of the notes it said this: it said Freud was resolutely committed to a materialistic and reductionistic psychology. And reductionism is the idea that you're viewing man from purely a naturalistic or materialistic way. So if you, you know, you, to me, it's just a, it's a logical, it seems to be a logical movement from Kant to Freud because you're, you're pushing God out of the equation. Man has become God. And, and now you have man who's an evolutionary creature. Yeah. And if he's an evolutionary creature, there is no God. You don't even need God. You just wrote God out of the equation, right? right? And so then life becomes about understanding who man is as an evolutionary creature. Yeah. Constantly changing, constantly morphing. But he's the one that gets to decide what's moral and and what's not. If he doesn't want morals, like for Freud, it just... You just got to get that out. You got to yeah. live as an immoral person. Right. You know, because that's what you really want to do anyway. Right. So you got to vent. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of modern psychology. And again, I'm, I'm drawing this connection back, you know, like anger therapy. What, what do they do? They have you, you know, you vent. Yes. Yeah. Right? You got to get that out of you. Just get right. out of your system. I mean, that's Freud. Yes. That's Freud. Uh, totally. It's not biblical at all. No. 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 That, that, you know, it's sin. There's no excuse ever to sin. Uh, and so Freud is the Darwin of the soul. Yes. That's what he is. Yes. And, and this is the point that I think we need to make again and again and again. When we talk about psychology, we're talking about Darwinism applied to the soul. Yes. Yeah, uh, clearly. It's, it is. It is what it is. One of the things that I think is really interesting about Freud is that there's this book that he writes where he's talking about his system and he's interviewing an imaginary person, which is himself, but... It's an imaginary person. He's talking about all the good and, and what people could get out of his system and how he really wants this to become a science. You know, he yeah. wants this to become science. And one of the things that he says in there is that, you know, pastors, you know, they, they shepherd the people in their flocks and in their congregations. And one of the goals of Freud was to, to in, a, in a sense, shepherd other people in secularism. That, that was kind of his goal, was to, to make this system something that trained technicians could use and thereby shepherd people 
in, in a secularistic view of man. And, and that was one of his goals. And you think about, you know, um, early on, seminaries started, like, looking at this stuff in, in the early 1900s, and they're like, oh, well, we can't. Pastors can't do this because yeah. they're not trained. Right. Right. That, that is so interesting because before that, pastors would yes. go to their Bibles. Yes. And, and what does the Bible say about right. man and about God and about how you're behaving? That's right. And, uh, and so now we end up with Freud coming in here, and there's this, again, this middle ground, this middle place that, 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 that pastors really don't have the ability to touch. They don't the, have the authority. Or the authority. Yes. And the Bible doesn't either. Right. Right, because you know, you stick to your text, Pastor. Uh, let let the let the uh, the psychologist or the doctor of the soul, uh, with all the training, which is built on uh, you know somebody who's just come up with stuff out of thin air. Like yes. everybody wants to kill their mom and or you know and, and kill their dad and marry their mom. Yes, like. This is Freud's twisted mind. It that's, is. That's come and it's really stuff. twisted. It is. It, curiously, most of his, <laughs> most of his uh, clients were women also. Yeah. But, but again, what, what do you have? You have this continuing secularization of society in which now the, the culture, and, and, and really the churches accepted it, and, and the, yeah. well, the seminaries accepted it, and right. then the churches accepted right. it. And the churches were like, we have no authority over the soul. Right. That that right. that belongs to the white coats. Right. That belongs to the professional, and, and that's really kind of what what Freud helped spawn, because after that you had to have a a degree in psychotherapy in order to be able to to help people navigate the difficulties of life using this, you know. Weird right, psychoanalytics, and, right. and later on other psychologies. So yeah, it becomes a science of sorts. You know, I was just thinking of, you know, John twenty one, where where, you know, Jesus is talking to Peter and says, "Peter, do you love my sheep?" And then uh, you know, three times he asks this, and, and and Peter says, "You know, I do." And then three times Jesus says, "Well, make sure you have the psychologist shepherd the sheep." You know, <laughs> uh, so yeah. you, you go out and find yeah. somebody who's educated. Yes. To, to tend to my sheep. Yes. You know, that's not what it says, right? No. It's, it's to the pastor. Yes. Uh, and it says, you know, th- this is your job yes. as, as a shepherd. There's no place for this white coat. That's right. Uh, so who do we have uh, else? Where, where are we going next? Um, after him, we're going to jump up to Maslow. Maslow, oh yes, the hierarchy of needs. Yes, the hierarchy uh, of needs. Yeah, and this is, this is probably going to resonate as familiar with... With, uh, with our listeners, uh, because, you know, you've been influenced by this uh, listener, whether you realize it or not, yeah. because this is really taken off. So we got this pyramid uh, with Maslow. Uh, what's that pyramid? Uh, the pyramid is just, it's basically he starts with your most base needs, physiological needs. What do I need? You know, food, water. And then he starts moving up, and you got safety needs, and you got belonging you know you need to feel safe and you need to have you know a roof over your head or whatever but you need to feel safe then you have the need to belong then you have esteem needs um self-love you know (laughs) comes into the picture and then you have self-actualization which is the pinnacle and that's you know self-actualization 
is the the pinnacle of where you become what you want to be, yeah. whatever that is. Right. There's no there's no boundaries here. You can be like God. You can be like God. That's right. That's right. That's I what mean, it is. But yeah, ultimately, you're taking all this philosophy. <laughs> really, yeah, you're going back to the garden, where Satan's like, you can be like God. Yeah. And you're self-actualized when you're like God and you're calling the shots. Yeah. The, the sad thing about this is that this is this is kind of what Christians lashed onto. Yeah. You know, you got like uh Larry Crabb, Norman yeah. Wright, uh James Dobson yeah. was really I I remember listening to James Dobson and hearing him talk about a child's esteem needs. Yeah. You know. Um, I don't remember him saying necessarily self-actualization. No, but his self-esteem was his... Pro- self, yeah. yeah. Man's Definitely. basic problem. Your children's problem is his lack of self-esteem. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So this, this is a, a great uh, side discussion here, or part of this discussion. Well, what's wrong with self-esteem, uh, Pastor Dan? What, what, what's wrong <laughs> what with... What isn't wrong with what, self-esteem? <laughs> don't we no. need... Don't our children need uh, more self-esteem? Yeah, you know, what's interesting is the Bible never talks about self-esteem. You know, that's, again, that's a modern concept, and it's, it's pagan in, in that sense, because it's, again, it's, it's, it's human, it's mankind, as we said earlier, it's mankind, I, mankind's ideas about what's wrong with man, right? Yeah. And, and they're saying that the thing that you need the most is self-esteem, which means the self needs to be reinforced. Yeah. And you need to have self-love, you need to, you know, all these things that go with that. And the, and the problem is, is that as... as as human beings, we naturally love ourselves already. Yeah. We do. We, we naturally love ourselves already. There's no one who does not love themselves. Every person does. And I think the Bible, you know, when it says, love your neighbor as yourself, the, the, the Bible is telling us that mankind already loves himself, but he needs to love his neighbor the way he loves himself. Right. So man, and so you said the Bible doesn't talk about self-esteem, and, and I, would, I would say it actually does. Yes. Uh, it's called self-centeredness. Yes, it does. If yes. Very yes. Much. yes, yes, it does. And, uh, but yes, it doesn't talk about our need for self-esteem. That's it right. talks about our need to put off yes. self-esteem. That's right. That's uh, right. Or self-centeredness. You know, 2 uh, Corinthians 5.15 yeah. says, He died for those that those who live should no longer what? Live for themselves, right. for him who That's for right. their sake died and was raised to life. That's right. And you know, Christ, Christ says, if, if anyone comes to me and, and does not hate his father, brother, sister, mother, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Yeah. There's nothing about self-esteem in that. Nothing. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Jesus obviously mod- modeled this. I mean, look at John 13, right? That's he, right. He puts on the, the slave's smock. Right. And he washes the disciples' feet, and then he tells them, are you greater than your master? If I've done <laughs> this, is this an example for you? Yes. And then you have Philippians 2, that's his mind being you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It's the opposite. If Jesus, who being the form of God, took on the form of a, a slave, yes. and that's literally the Greek mm-hmm. word. I know we soften it in some of our translations. We say servant, but it's slave, yes. doulos. Uh, then how much more should we and uh, and this is you know this this is a gospel issue too because what we're talking mm-hmm. about is man's basic problem is yes. not that he lacks self-esteem or self-centeredness uh, it is that he is born uh, wanting only what he wants when he wants that's right how he wants it. yes uh, and and, uh, and and anybody who doesn't give you know 
What was it, Vodibakum, that said uh, God made babies uh, small so they couldn't kill us, right? <laughs> uh, because if you don't give a baby, you know, you, yeah. like they, they, they reveal it from, from birth. That's right. They do. Uh, or the other thing that he said, uh, I've heard, I don't know who originated from, originated from, but it was Vodibakum, and I've heard other people say, you know, they're vipers and diapers. <laughs> yes. I like that term. Vipers and diapers. Vipers uh, and diapers. And I know they're so cute and innocent. I love babies and everything, but we're yes. talking about man's basic problem. It's yes. not, it's not a, a lack of self-esteem. That's right. That's right. And, and so Maslow, it, Ma, Ma, Maslow, uh, he's, Maslow, yeah. Maslow, he's telling us, that this is it. And it's interesting when you look at this pyramid, it's all very self centered. It's your needs. Yes. Your needs. And, and we have uh, lots of them. You mentioned Dobson. I was thinking of uh, Gary Chapman in the, in the mm. love, love Languages. Oh, yes. yes. Uh, your, your marriage problems are because your partner is not meeting your needs. Yes. Yes. Uh, that's just Maslow in it repackaged. It is. It totally is. Yeah. And if you think about that, so you love your partner the way they want to be loved, so they will love you the way you want to be right. loved, right? So what does that become? Just manipulation. Right. That, that, that's not self-sacrifice. I'm not going to serve you because you are not serving me. That's right. You're not meeting my needs. Yes. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, and it leads to all kinds of things. Uh, so Maslow, uh, very, very influential uh, you know, really, really is the foundation of this self-esteem movement. Um, in, in, you know, in, in, it's the the foundation for a lot of the craziness in our day. I would say where people are so self-actualized and so self-centered uh, and so entitled. Yes, uh, I was I'm, just I was just sitting here thinking I'm, too. You know, you hear people use the word toxic. You know, yeah, that person's toxic. Right. What you know? <laughs> what makes them toxic? Right. You because know? they're not doing what you want. That's right. That's yeah. why. They're not meeting my needs. They're not treating me the way I think right. I deserve to be treated. And, and I can't say this enough. I've said this over and over. I preach this. I, I don't know how many times. Like, when you say that, what you are saying is that that person is not good. Yes. Because he's not doing what I want. That's right. That is you saying you are God because you are the determiner of what is good. That's evil. right. That is going right back to that garden line. It is. Uh, and so if, if you don't meet my needs, you are evil. And, and then we have James 4, the source of conflict, right? That's right. You lust, you cannot have. And so then what? You end up murder. That's the extreme end of, That's right. of this. And, uh, and we can, we, you, you pretty much hands down all of the, all the con- well, most of the conflict in our relationships and our marriage are centered around this, this idea uh, that someone has not given me what I want. That's right. Therefore, I am going to punish that person because I am God. Whether you're saying that or not, mm-hmm. that's what it is. That's right. That's what you're doing. That's right. So, and then you manipulate. Uh, you know, you make them do penance, right? The silent mm-hmm. treatment. Uh, so many ways this comes out. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Silent treatment's a big one because that happens in a lot of homes where you get yeah. to silent for who knows how long. Yeah. Right? You know? Right. It could be days, right. weeks, months. Right, you you know, uh, we we make jokes about it and sleeping on the couch and all this stuff, but uh, it it really is, uh, you know, acting like you're God. It when is when you do that. Yes. All right. So, what do we got next? We got Rogers. Uh, I think Carl Rogers. Um, one of the things that he believed again was that man had everything in himself to come to maturity. Um, and the solutions for all problems are inside of you. And again, this um, one of the things about Carl Rogers, again, like Freud, is that he be, and Maslow, really, all these guys become really popular in seminaries. Yeah. 
and and you have pastors who start imbibing this stuff and they're they start you know um looking at at man through this lens instead of through a biblical lens and so that becomes a huge huge problem um and, and again in this in this particular um in this particular discipline with with Carl Rogers, um, he he really believed that if the counselor just reflects everything back yeah. to you, you'll get a feeling for yourself and your needs. Again, it's yeah. needs based because we're, you know we're trying to get people to figure yeah. out what they need, and you yeah. just keep you just right. keep reflecting back right. whatever you're saying to me, and eventually yeah. you're going to figure right. out what you need. Right. So yes, yeah, again, this talk therapy yes. kind of stuff. Just tell me what's going on, and then and what I hear you saying is yes, uh, and it, it, you know, and then and somehow in this this therapy, uh, by the way, this is good business, right? Oh, <laughs> because you oh, never yeah. solve anything, no, no. Uh, and you don't actually have to know anything. Yes, uh, you just need to get people to talk. Yes, uh, and then you can just keep this going on for years, for years, without ever right. really bringing any true. I'm not going to say that people, you know. People haven't been helped. Oh, sure but, they have, because, but but not right. biblically, right? There, there is, you know, going to use the word therapeutic. I mean, when you talk to someone and you feel like they listen to you, I mean, you feel good. Like yes. somebody listened. Like, you know, there is there is something in us. We want to be heard. We want to be listened. But just being heard and just being listened doesn't actually deal with the issue. No. No, and so it may make you feel good. Ah, oh, somebody listens to me. Yes, you, know, you can, you can, uh, you can really manipulate people. Yes, just by being a good listener. That's right. And people will say, "Oh, I like so and so. I like they're, they're good listeners." Really, but how have you grown in your obedience mm. to God because of because this of person listen. who's listening? listening? Yes, right. And so I'm not throwing out listening. I'm just right. saying, like that doesn't solve. No, no. That's not. We're not called to just be good listeners. Uh, we're called to speak the truth in love. That's right. Uh, so Carl Rogers, uh, you know, he, he misses the mark. And, and so we're in the 1900s. We're, we're actually, uh, what is it? You have the dates, uh, 1902 yeah, to 1902 1987. to 1987. Yeah. And, then, and then probably Skinner after that. You know, yeah. that's where you have um, the behavioral therapy, uh, cognitive behavioral yeah. therapy comes out of Skinner and... Um, one of the things that Skinner did is he did a lot of, you know, you, you test animals, you, you get your ideas from testing um, animals and seeing how they're responding to things, then you take that and you apply that to humans. Well, so why do you do that? Because it's materialism. It's materialism. Pure materialism. That's pure materialism, yeah. yeah. Man is nothing more than, than animal. an animal. Right. And an animal. And with Skinner, um, Skinner believed in the tabula rosa which a, a baby comes in totally blank. A blank slate. A blank slate, yeah. yeah. And so then he is, he is, his environment or his experiences mark, yeah. mark him, and that's what defines who a person is. Yeah. So I am who I am because of how I was raised yes. or because of, you know, the environment I yes. was growing up. I was or in be- a church that right. was really strict was about things. Or I was abused. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I was whatever. Uh, now, of course, we wouldn't deny that those things have influence That's right. and affect us, surely. Oh, absolutely. They do. Like, yes. They can create patterns in our lives that yes. are very difficult to overcome. Uh, but the Bible has a different view yes. of who you are. We're talking about who you are. 
and uh, and and, and the, the, I think the, uh, the the problem with Skinner is uh, it's really rather hopeless. It really is. You are who you are because of how you grew up, because of your environment. You're the product of your so, environment. So you have to change your environment right. in some right. way in order to produce some kind of change. Right. There's something that has to change. In, in some sense, cognitive behavioral therapy is is kind of like the closest. <laughs> The, the closest thing you would have to biblical counseling. But again, it's hopeless because there's no hope in just changing your environment without changing the heart. Right. So your problem is your environment. This is where you get into toxic environment, which has yes. really taken off yes, in our day. It has. Uh, there's certain people that are toxic. You got to get rid of them. Yes. Because your problem is their environment. That's right. It's all external. That's right. It's all uh, external. The, you know, uh, which affects the biology of some sort. You have anxiety because of so and so. You have, you know, uh, whatever. Um, but it's hopeless because there's no changing. Like it's it's everybody else. That's right. That is the problem. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, is you can't control everybody else. That's right. Uh, and so, like, you're always going to have environmental influences in your life and difficulty. You're always going to have, you know quote-unquote, toxic people in your life. That's right. Uh, we're not contro- called to control other people. No, we're not. We can't. And no. so it's hopeless. How can I change you? How can I change your heart? That's right. Um, and so, even if you change the environment, does the problem go away? Right. You know? Well, it doesn't because it doesn't. you can't <laughs> run away from your problem. That's right. That's right. And then, and then you sit there and you lament and say, well, I am this way because of, you know, right. my, my last, my max husband or my ex-wife or, or you know, my parents that's right uh and you know you just just have to deal with it i was talking with someone the other day who was saying that you know they cuss and and they know that that's wrong but then turned around and said but but people in my home cuss so i cuss yeah and i was like that's irrelevant right that's a choice right it is a choice and that is not to say that there are there are, and I said this already, there are patterns that are difficult. There are habits yes. that you build up that yes. are difficult. That's not what we're talking about here. Yeah, right. Uh, and, and this is where we would get into a biblical worldview, a biblical view mm-hmm. of man and, and a yes. biblical view of the spirit and the power uh, in the word of God in particular. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Yes. Uh, Colossians 3.16. That's right. Uh, that, that is the catalyst for change. Yes. Regardless of your environment. That's right. So, uh, do we have anyone else, or are we? Uh, we no, pretty? that's that's the end. We've, okay, we, we've yeah. reached it, and so you know, that's just you know, thinking through those, you know, just thinking through the history of of psychology. How can you look at all that and say that's the answer for me? Right. Yeah, I mean, going going from Skinner and others uh, on back, they don't actually offer any real hope or help. No, they there, really don't. There's no answer. That's right. Uh, and and uh, in the uh, the the other thing that that I've noted on these, you know, every few years you have a new guy who has influence coming down from yes. the institutions, from the uh, you know the universities, and every single one of them starts with this base uh, presumption about what's wrong with man, mm-hmm. and, and, it, and it's kind of, well, man's basic problem is lack of self-esteem. Man's basic problem is is his environment or, or whatever it is. Uh, and there's there's this constantly uh, trying to figure out what man's basic problem is. That's right. And that becomes the foundation. Well, here's the problem, and here's the solution. And, uh, and, and not one of them, not one of them will say man's basic problem is that he is born a sinner. depraved. That's right. Sin. That's right. 
And that's the so so the foundation is off. That's right. There there is the starting point is 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 off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, what we find is that there are Christians who are going to these systems and they're being influenced by these systems and they're reading books That's right. that they don't even realize uh, that are being influenced by these systems and, and they're being deceived into this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they wonder why they never change. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly right. You can't. You can't. You can't because you, if you don't have the... If you don't have the right view of man, the right view of his problems, then you're not going to have a right view of how to fix him. Yeah. And, and that's what the Bible does. It gives us the right view of man in, in, because God created us and he knows us. He knows what our problems are. He knows what our biggest problem is, right? And, and so God created us and he's also given us his word to help us understand who he is, who we are, and who Christ is and the solution through Jesus Christ yeah. and Jesus Christ alone. Yeah. Uh, you know, that just reminds me of Romans 7, verse 24. Mm. Oh, wretched man that, that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death starting point, right? That's right. That's it? That's right. Body of death. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's right. There's the answer. Yes, that's right. There's the power. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So, Amen. Uh, in, in any other view but Christ alone... You know, if there's a view, you need a white coat, <laughs> scientist, uh, you, you, you know, you need to get rid of environmental issues or whatever. Uh, you, you're, you're putting Jesus plus That's right. else. That's right. And it's, it's a failure. There, there's no salvation in such a system. It's hopeless. Hopeless. That's right. So, all right, this, is, this, is, uh, this has been a good discussion. Yes, it's been, thank been you. long. I think we're, we're approaching an hour. Uh, this is better than last time, because I think last time we were maybe around 40 minutes. So like we, 42 minutes. Well, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so we had to make up for our... Uh, <laughs> our la- so we wanted to make sure that, you know, uh, our listeners got even um, greater than what we were going to do before. Yes. Uh, so... All right. Well, thank, you. thank you, Eric. Really yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, really enjoy this. Looking forward to future uh, conversations. Yes. All right. All right, thank you for listening. Uh, again, this is a ministry of Faith Baptist Church in Visalia. Uh, and if you are hearing this and you are not part of our church, you know, come join us on a Sunday morning at 1030. 